Welcome to Kitchen Table, candid conversations about sex, relationships, and being human. I'm Brittany Paula Castro. I'm Nick Antony, and today we're talking to Iraq Aurora Montano about the power of healing in community. Get ready for this. It's good stuff. Hey, Nick. Hey, Brittany. We're going on vacation next week. I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm off for 10 days. 10 whole days. Woo! Mm -hmm. You know, I was thinking, we've talked about this before, about the way that we live and the way that we work and um, like choosing not to necessarily do the nine to five or work 40 hour weeks. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking about that in the ways that it's really great and and in the ways that it creates stress (laughs) as well, like around. Sure stability and and all of those things. Yeah. It's not as consistent as you would find in a nine to five and having that security and being able to lean on that. Sure. Yeah. yeah, It has its fallbacks and it has has its benefits. It's like on the reverse end. Yeah. It has its fallbacks and its benefits, you know. But for you, like how does that land? I'm super elated that I've been able to live the way I'm living. Yes. Mm -hmm. There's frustrating moments and insecure moments and all that jazz, but it's not unmanageable or nothing I can't handle. It's something that I just feel and I move through. And then it's like the bigger picture is like, yeah, you get to, this is the life you live. And I've multiple times been like, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes I forget that, you know? And I think that's like, I was having that moment of like, I don't work anywhere near, I work hard. Yeah. And I hustle, but I don't work anywhere near like 40 hours a week, you know? Yeah. And like really connecting with that and people that do and 60 hours a week and, you know, and just the choices that I've made to and the people I've surrounded myself with and all of that. And, and yes, there's definitely privilege in that too. So acknowledging that. It's a ton of privilege. For sure. You know, and it's being able to do what we do. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I feel really grateful for that. And it's our choices too. Yes. You know? So yeah, it was just something that I was thinking about and I wanted to share on here. Thank you for sure. Yeah. Cause sometimes I don't think like we forget to land in our choices sometimes, like really to land. I felt that to really land in the choices that we've made on how we want to live, whether it's something that feels really good or something that we want to change. Yeah. I think sometimes landing in them and really acknowledging that, that it, it was based on our choices, at least in my experience, speaking for myself, Yes, that's the case. And that can be really empowering. Yeah, you said that and it just like resonated with yeah, me. I felt it. I felt it resonate like, with you. Gong, 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 gong. <laughs> I was just like, yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. I choose. So I'm really excited about this conversation today. We're talking to Iraq Arroyo Montano. And I don't know exactly where this conversation is going to go. Like I do some of the others. We will see. But he's just so fucking cool. <laughs> Coolest voice ever. And he's got a... <laughs> Get a very sexy voice. <laughs> I've got to say, <laughs> I'm blushing. Right <laughs> Brett played a recording of Iraq to me. Yeah, was I was like, like listen. listen. I was like, oh, cool. oh, oh my goodness. I'm glad I heard that beforehand so that I prepared myself. I was like, I hear the swag in there. I yeah, hear the swag. Major swag. So, yeah, I mean, he like had a hip hop group who like traveled all over the world, which is so cool. And it's just doing a lot of really powerful things. So I want to let this conversation like just like blossom because I feel like it has the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Let's just water it and see what happens. Yes. Welcome to Kitchen Table. I'm Brittany. I'm Nick. And today our very special guest is Iraq Arroyo Montano. Iraq is a proud father of three wonderful children and MC, circle keeper, artist, community weaver, 
educator, curandero, and aspiring elder. A queer buiqua, raised in Boston, Massachusetts, and a founding member of the radical award-winning hip-hop group Foundation Movement that has had the opportunity to perform in Cuba, Palestine, Tanzania, Japan, and many other places around the world. Yes. <laughs> Healing for liberation, art and activism, and popular education remain his purpose and priority in community movement work, which is he is able to develop, practice, and facilitate in his role as Director of Cultural Organizing at the Grassroots Economic Justice Organization, United for a Fair Economy. Welcome, Iraq. Hey, hey, from, 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 from. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> We're so excited to have you and to embark on what I feel like is going to be a very fun and interesting and wisdom-filled conversation. So thank you for being here. Yeah, grateful to be here. Grateful to join y'all. I've been listening to y'all and looking forward to this opportunity, this moment. So your bio got me so curious about so many things. <laughs> and so first, can you tell us a little bit about Foundation Movement and this hip hop group that you've been a part of? And like, I want to hear about it. Definitely. Proudly, excitedly. <laughs> Underground hip hop group. I've uh, gotten to perform, as you heard, in many places and states, open for a lot of like the legends from, from Rakim to KRS, share stages and go on tour with. I admire like Dead Prez, Michael Franti, and taking the opportunity, we, you know, when we went to Cuba, we got to not only perform, but we got to build with Asada Shakur. I was 21. So 20 years ago, I got to build with a oh in Cuba who's there on political asylum, free them all, free all political prisoners. And then also Nahanda Abiodun, who was one of the Black Liberation Army folks who broke her out. She was out. Wow. But we got to build with her too. And that was dope. Got to go to Nia for Black August and perform out there and just connect with a lot of dope people. Japan was amazing. Got to walk from Hiroshima to Tokyo. So that was 1,270 miles. We were invited by Nipponza Mihoji monks. They're known as the peace monks. They have uh, peace pagodas all over the world. And their guruji, their teacher, had given this like peace drum to actually... <laughs> it looks like say. this. Those who are listening, it's like this program with a prayer, Nam Yohoren Gekyo, on it. And that when Gandhi passed, he only had like a few possessions. And one of them was this prayer drum that peace monks had given him. And so they walk and they believe in the seven. They're reaching seven realms with this prayer for peace. And they chant Nam Yohoren Gekyo. And they invited me an optimist, the other member of the foundation movement, because they were doing this anti-nuclear proliferation peace march. And we were like the American hip hop group that would, you know, perform for folks. So it was any moment. It could be as many as 60,000 people in Hiroshima to like 20 people in a temple in a small town, like as we're walking through to like 100,000 people in Tokyo. And it was dope. It was life-changing. It was 2008. I started to learn how to, oh yeah, one of the things they made us do, <laughs> it was a part of accepting the commitment to come on the trip, was that we would join them every morning for puja, prayer, morning prayer, chant, meditation. And honestly, it was like, okay, cool. I'm going to pray with monks. Like I was just kind of like 27 years old. I was like, cool, I'm going to pray with monks. Like, you know, swag. Like I get to tell people <laughs> the story. Like, like I'm telling you now, right? Like, oh, I'm up. And they woke us up at 5 a.m. and uh, moved us through Puja. And maybe six or seven days in, I was like, what is this strange feeling of equanimity? You know, like, this is, wow. what is happening to me? And um, feeling those real talk downloads of like tranquility and peace. 
in that moment in my life, it was really important. You know, we could dive into that. I just kind of like poke. And then we spent time in Palestine, performing in refugee camps, calling for an end of the occupation and really seeing firsthand performing in refugee camps, performing in Haifa, Israel, as well as in Palestine. Life-changing stuff, you know, definitely the kind of stuff that makes you have a deeper understanding of American exceptionalism, a deeper understanding of like the world and the way it works in different ways and how community looks in different places, deeper understanding of like global being a global citizen and also recognizing like the impact of poverty and American imperialism all over the world. So these are the things that music helped me to be part of, to see, to do, and uh It definitely created somebody who is constantly like, um, I got a friend in Japan. I got a homie in Tanzania. I tell people the bank account is small, but the social account is is ginormous. I'm doing okay. I got people who I love in different places. And when my people go, I'll be like, yo, go see Yamada Shoni. Go see the monk at da-da-da-da. And the homie is like, fam, he did a fire ceremony for me. And I'm like, I'm telling you. Like, you know, so it it feels really good to like, you know, make genuine connections and relationships and be a traveler. You know, I think a traveler, the distinction, a traveler does tourist things, but a tourist isn't always a traveler. So as a traveler, I like to be in community, talk to people. I just get up, dip, like, yo, where'd E-Rock go? I'm like, I'm good. I'm in my skin. Like, don't worry about me. And I'll just be moving and creating connections and community. Next thing you know, I'm at someone's home. They want me to meet mama. And you're having, you're building different communication and conversations than simply being around the people. Shout out to these people. But the people whose job is literally to service you and your experience, you know? So we're away from more tourist things and more into that. And that definitely helped make me someone who can have conversations and be around folks. And yeah. So shout out to the foundation movement and y'all can find any of that. We are on Amazon and we're out there, you know, you can hear, I can't believe I just shouted out Beezle. You know, we're out there on all the different <laughs> Apple, all of that stuff. <laughs> just Google it. Don't like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the one Google, like, right. Like I used to be like, search okay, don't engine Google that. it. I haven't heard about yo remember that <laughs> yo I have not heard that in Ask so long Jeeves. you said that and I Is just I, still I automatically went to like AOL dial up in my in my head <laughs> yo fam absolutely away messages yo Google really monopolized that huh there are a whole verse yo so what i you know i already knew this so we've been following each other on instagram for a while and already talked about this i love your memes (laughs) because they're the shit famous for the memes famous famous for for the the memes memes. famous for the memes (laughs) underground thing in these memes that's right that's right (laughs) and so you know i already had this sense that community was so important to you iraq and can just like sense that right that that community is kind of the way that, you know, I mean, and I'll speak for myself, the way that we really build understanding and connection and intimacy and the way that we heal. Oh yeah. Right. Like that we're, and I think I may have, this might've been one of your things that I saw on Instagram of, you know, like we are meant to heal in community. <laughs> like we're not meant to do this shit alone. Yeah, no. And I have, you know, um, I am not a founding member of a hip hop group. <laughs> It'd be, ama- it'd be amazing if like you just like just t- revealed that revealed that this Actually, I'd be like, well, I've been with you for almost 12 years now you have not told me this shit you'd be so upset with me I you should be what? my man would be not like tonight's that. cosplay <laughs> tonight's cosplay is gonna be you <laughs> 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 
No, you don't want that. But I have done a lot of travel. You have. And, you know, and I've been to Tanzania and I've been to Malawi and Haiti and, you know, and, and I have had those experiences where, yeah, you're not doing the tourist stuff. You're doing, you know, you're, you're like eating a meal with a family. You know, I've done a lot of like living with like in homes and, and connecting with in this way and, you know, like playing with the kids and, and, and doing this stuff. And it's just so special. And to really see and be seen and have this exchange of this cultural exchange of just like seeing each other and, and pooping in a hole in the ground and undoing all these things and taking a moment to live, not be entertained by them, but by these, you know, these beautiful people in different spaces, but to live, to take a moment to live, you know, I recognize it's just a moment and to work with them and to, you know, I've dug latrines and all this kind of like sifted cement, which is my favorite. I love being like doing like hard labor. (laughs) feels so good. And I remember there was this time we were building a school in I think Nicaragua and the men, it was all men that were built, that were digging this latrine. And there was lots of women that were there doing things as well, but no one was like, there was only me and these guys digging the latrine and they're just like, oh no, like you need to, you know, I was like, I got this. Like I got this. <laughs> and I'm in this like six foot latrine, like digging. And like, they're just looking at me like this, this okay. lady is, this lady is wacko. Like what is she doing? <laughs> and then I like, or, you know, and then this is lots to unpack here, but I like went in, in the, in that masculine energy that I embodied and I earned their respect and they were like, oh, it's like that mm-hmm. shit. And then, you know, they like, I like climbed out of the latrine and then we were like, we were cool. <laughs> and then we did the same thing the next day. And it's paid. like that kind of stuff. Say that again. I said dues were paid. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like I showed up and I was like, no, like I'm going to do this. And yeah. they were like, okay. <laughs> and then we, and then we were cool. Yeah. And so it's just those kind of things, you know, about like these little moments where we connect with each other and learn things about each other. Even if we don't speak the same language, you know, we don't always need to. And it's really beautiful. I could hear how it's affected both of you. Like, seriously, like just hearing your story and also like our pre-conversation before the actual interview itself, like mm-hmm. you are a ball of light, man. I already feel the gravity that like radiates off of you. Mm-hmm. And also in this conversation, I'm just like, and I feel like I'm going to be talking a little bit differently based off of your cadence. Cause it's just like, word, I love that <laughs> shit. It's just like, yes. Because ah, it's code switching me, man. And like when I'm in certain spaces, it comes out when it's comfortable, it's comfortable. And you're just, you're easeful. It's like, yeah, man, fuck that shit. It's crazy. <laughs> like, I'm just like, oh, I, think I, feel like I've, I feel like I've known you for a minute and just hearing how you move through the world and how you collect experiences and have mm. like that, that wealth of just like connections. Uh, the comment you said in terms of like bank counts low, but you know, your connections are, you know, are rich. And like in terms of life in general, what more could you ask for in this space is to have like rich, just fulfilling really relationships and connections with people. That's what counts. That's what matters. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. It's absolutely one of my favorite things, to have deep, genuine connections with people, even if they're moments in time, right? I don't need to hold them. Or I've tried, uh, but I don't yeah, need to. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. The anxious person in me, like the anxious attached person, once like tries to do that, right? Yeah. Like so much less, but I've seen that. Like I, you know, I was somewhere recently on a retreat and like I connected with a couple people and didn't really get to, to complete that connection, right? Like it was just like, I wound up leaving and not connecting and saying goodbye or exchanging things and had some really deep, intimate connections with a couple people. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, 
that's what it was supposed to be. That's and it. it filled me and that's enough. Like it doesn't have to continue. And there's a part of me that's like, oh, yes, it does. Yes, it does. And it's like, no, it doesn't. Let it be what it is. Let it be what it wants to be. Yeah. You know, even with these connections, you know, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, God, don't go away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my mind's always thinking. Yeah, it's funny when I found attachment theory, it fucked me up for a little bit. I definitely was like, oh, I'm like mostly anxious with some avoidant, right? And then started to do the work, like, how do I become more secure in this? How do I? But like, even my anxious or my avoidant, I hadn't really seen how it showed up because there's ways in which our my defense mechanisms have defense mechanisms, right? So like sometimes like you're like open, 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 and you're like, oh, I'm anxious as hell, right? So <laughs> just having just recognize that. And then also knowing that sometimes my counter to that is to to go so much to the other side that it doesn't allow for me to find like a stable balance. Because I'm like, oh, I'm anxious. So let me not be that. You know, and then, and then my so I don't know. It's relatable content in terms of like the we or the community healing space between you and I, between the two of you, that space in between us is the us. And that we is super important. And I think a lot of times, whether it's capitalism or whatever, the individual I, which is super important. Individuality is beautiful. Creation is beautiful. Like agency over yourself is beautiful, but it totally gets in the way for some people from understanding the need for us or we. And, I, you know, it's funny because I did put that up on social and I had somebody who I've been working for contact me and be like, yo, rock. All right, cool. I feel you. But in practice, I've been doing a lot of healing by myself. And I was like, yo, first of all, no diss on healing by yourself. But second, do you mean with a therapist? Do you mean with this? Do you mean? And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, that's not by yourself. Then we. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So even I ask people to think again. One of the times that you've had like quick, you know, these moments of, and think about who was around, who provided that for you. Was somebody taking care of the kids? That's we. Was somebody, you know, providing food that you didn't have to cook for? That's we, right? So it's like, Really looking at the collective we for healing. And it's that's a simple, those are simple like nuances, but really it's just look again and see who's around and how the creation is. We do live in a society that really likes to be like, I'm self-made and I did it all by myself and <laughs> wearing clothes they didn't make, you know? <laughs> like yes. wearing, so Yo. just <laughs> <laughs> in the home they, they didn't that. build. But the things, I think sometimes it's just a reframe of what we already know and just kind of being like, oh, they really have designed dominant culture that really individualizes us so that we don't have to have compassion and empathy for others, but also so we don't see what others are doing for us already. Well, we need to land at this for a second because this is is like, this mm -hmm, is a sink mm -hmm. in moment. Like, damn. Yes. Like, and (sighs) you know, it's really wild. So you know, we record intro chat before you've heard it. And this is so in alignment with what we're talking about. It's like freaky. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll hear it like when you listen, but like this idea of like sometimes not landing in our choices and not acknowledging the example was just like the way that we've chosen to live where like we don't work 40 hours a week. We don't have nine to fives. And sometimes that can, you know, press on that need for stability. And for me, stability equals safety, right? And like also like connecting with like what we do have, which is really so much of what you just talked about, really landing in those choices. And just like you said, in the choices to connect with people in this, I'm getting so like hyper about this, connecting with getting support, but not remembering it. 
Like, no, like if you're with a therapist or a coach or, or anyone like that is the way. Oh, Mike. I feel so filled up by that. The culture that we are currently in and the level of lack of compassion that people have for just like people going through like shit, mm -hmm. like it's, it's remarkable. Like I'm, mm -hmm. but I'm also not surprised. Like I'll hear someone say, oh my God, I couldn't believe it. I'm just like, could you not <laughs> like, have you not been listening? Have you not been watching what's been unfolding? Where the history is coming from? Where the origins of this country have come from? Like, it's just like, yeah, it was a giant rock. Trump sat on top of it. It lifted that rock and was like, oh, there's some skeezy ass shit under here. Look, these worms and these bugs, they were always there. <laughs> They were always there. People want to put it all on one person, but mm -hmm. like it's just, nah, Whew. in the we. And it's, it's so simple and straightforward and clean, the energetic of just being like, step back and really think about mm -hmm. how, where you are right now, like the position you are in. You had to be in the we in order to get to, to have the things you have, to be in the space that you are right now. That's real simple and beautiful. Sometimes when we have like uh, moments that you might call like divine enlightenment moments of like, oh, it begins to make sense. Part of the reflection back is to realize how that affected your narrative in past relationships, past community, et cetera. So if you come to the conclusion, oh, shit, I definitely was gaslighting. And I've learned that this is actually gaslighting is to try to win an argument emotionally, which I learned you try to win an argument. Right. So like silly me, I learned this and I have a vavoom. I have this moment where I have to reflect back and be like, oh, how does that impact the way people said this or someone said this or can I this or how do I? So I think that part of the learning is important. When I, when Trump came in, I think it was really obvious the emperor had no clothes on. I think it became really obvious for folks in terms of like you're seeing how my brain works here. The other thing that you were talking about like compassion is that I have in my job now, my paid gig, because I also have the job of raising children, job, but in my paid gig, I do facilitate across the country. And some of it is for organizations. Some of it has been for, for city leaders, impact leaders, et cetera. Like, you know, different folks all over the country from Alabama to Arizona, to California, to North Carolina and New York. And I've seen three things, like three, like things that were like, absolutely. Like I had those, that moment where like, you kind of go, oh, you know, there's a pattern here. Crisis of compassion, definitely one of them. Crisis of compassion, like an ability in a meeting to talk about something that might be traumatic as all hell and then go on to the next thing. We've just been conditioned, right? Like I can give an example, right after the hurricane in Puerto Rico, I was in a meeting, we were organizing, it's 2017, and one of the people came in like, hey, y'all, you know, bad news, there was flooding and there was some mudslides and it looks like over 500 more people have died. And then I was like, oh my goodness, like the land my people are from, my family members. And then they were like, okay, so next on the agenda. And I remember being like, we do this to people all the time. We do it all the time. And in that moment, I was like, hold up, hold up, hold up. We're in a room with five people from Puerto Rico. And I'm looking at them and they're, one of them is hand is visibly shaking. And I'm like, can we just take a moment y'all and actually reflect on the information you just gave us before we continue in this meeting. And, you know, I got to a point in comfort where I can do that. I'm at a point now where I can do that. In the past, I might leave or shut down or disconnect completely and like disassociate just in order to survive a meeting. Right. So that's a quick example. A lack of compassion is big. A crisis of, of a lack of compassion, a crisis of imagination. We cannot imagine another 
being. We can't imagine liberating ourselves. We can't imagine victory. We can't imagine relationships looking different. We can't imagine like so many things. Like you start to, oh, I can't even imagine that. Couldn't even, like just the inability to even see ourselves shift and change and transform. That's a crisis. It's a huge crisis. So, and then one that was exasperated big time by the pandemic was a crisis of connection. And I mean like genuine connection, not like, oh, I know your name but like a genuine, and those three things are super connected. So it's like imagination, connection, and compassion. And I was seeing that in rooms of people who are doing amazing work, where some people had this and some people had, it was a, overall, I made a mistake of thinking, oh, well, you know, folks must be, imagine, or folks must have like, I know I'm a super sensitive person. So like, I feel those things. And then I know I'm not alone. So if I speak up, you know, you'll see three or four other people in the room like, whew, yes. You know, so just kind of thinking about those things. And in my work, that has been it, you know, and it usually comes back to those things for almost anything, you know, how we get through things in our life, support networks, you know, the deal. This is some of the stuff we know for sure. People have always, for a long time, they just kind of put it on their partner or they put it on. And it was like, homie, get a therapist, homie, get some friends, figure out what that looks like in community. And it doesn't always got to be the same person. It's another event, another crisis get your support group together and ask them, you know, what they're capable of doing. Because a lot of people in the moment of crisis, the person they thought was their crisis person hasn't even been contacted. It hasn't even been asked, hasn't even been spoken to. It's just kind of an automatic, like, oh, you helped me last time. You'll help me again. Versus the, hey, you know, this thing is happening again. Can I count you on my team? What are you capable of doing? How can you support me? Thank you so much. Oh, word, I can call you after midnight because you're a late person. Oh, word, you can drive me to do this or you can, and then figuring out the roles because I, I have found that because of the crisis of connection, the crisis of imagination and the crisis of compassion, people tend to limit that to like one or two people. I only trust this person. I have found the more I've done that, because I'm also talking, I'm also telling on myself, the more that I have done that, the more I see people could not wait for the opportunity to help. Couldn't wait. <laughs> hadn't been asked. They just hadn't been talked. Just had, hey, I need help. I got to do this. Da, da, da. Got you, rock. And, and it's their way of kind of giving back into community and being like, how do we do this together? Or I'll be like, hey, there was a snowstorm. I'm going to go shovel this elder's path. Can you go get this elder's? Of course, say less, Iraq. I'm on it. You know, and like, it's just that idea. Connect with people and get people going in the way that they can. It's the feel goods, right? Because it does feel good to be in community and, and be connecting to people. Yeah. So yeah, compassion, connection, and empathy. I've absolutely witnessed it, seen it in different states, places, and I think that that a lot of question happens because of these things are in place. And breathe into <laughs> the wisdom that was just shared. Yeah. Deep breaths, wusa. <laughs> yeah, so I, have, I have a couple of questions and points from that. Start from the most recent. You know, this idea of asking for help for so many people is so hard. You know, to guilty. Um, yeah, guilty. It's, it's, and I'm going to go out on a limb. Yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, in my experience, we'll just say, I was going to say it's harder for men, but it's not, that's not true. It's hard for everyone. I see how it shows up in different people, yeah. right? And because of our cultural conditioning, basically, yeah. and because of, you know, what we have, how we've been socialized. I think that's a big thing. I work with a lot of women and there's a lot of putting my needs last and putting everyone else's needs first. And when I work with men, and I tend to work with a lot of cisgendered people, not to exclude our, our non-binary friends from this conversation, but I'm just speaking from my experience. Just want to note that. When I work with men, it's more, 
the like disconnect from having needs Mm. because there's a disconnect from having feelings, right? Oh, I don't, you know, like I'm good. I'm good. Wait, I'm good. I'm fine. It's good. (laughs) Right. And so it's both, right. It's, or in everyone and all, right. That have this, I tend to be someone who's really good at asking (laughs) for my needs to be met. You are. Which overwhelms the shit out of people sometimes. Because I welcome the no, I do. And I've got, I've worked on that because I can be a boundary pusher and be like, well, push, 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 especially with my partners, <laughs> <laughs> right? But I know what I need and I ask for it. And there is room for no in there, but because there's, you know, I tend to attract so many people pleasers into my life and just are surrounded by them. It's really hard for them. It'll be like, oh no, this person is asking for a need to be met. and. I have to do it. Well, no, we can, it's a strategy. We can work around it. What'd you say for people who even to get to that place? Cause I agree a hundred percent. I've, you know, in the last year have moved through the deepest healing of my life and could not have done it without my therapist, without my partners, you know, without being in that space of, and my circle is small. I, you know, really resourced from those who could support in the moment right? and recognizing that not everyone could in the moment. And so, you know, I'm so glad that you're speaking to that, but what would you say to people that are like, you know, they don't even know where to start or even to acknowledge that they have needs. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm now 10 years away from having this epiphany. And so I have been working that for 10 years now. But before that, I definitely, and you know, we know thanks to Bell Hooks, patriarchy knows no gender. And I've definitely seen this all genders, but there is a way in which man is positioned that asking for help is admitting failure, right? Like, like there's, there's layers to this. Not only admitting failures that you need help is somehow some sort of loss or even who am I to think I need help? Which I've seen across genders. Like I've seen people who have suffered terrible things, abuse, violence, who are afraid to, not only of that, but just even to be like, oh, I'm sorry to take your time. So I think there's so many layers to that, right? For me, there was a turning point. 2012, I was a photographer for a project called Anonymous Boston. And it was spending a lot of months with uh, mothers whose children had been murdered, listening to stories, taking photos, going to the places where their child was murdered and photographing them. Intense things. I'm trying to not just be in my head as I share it, but I don't want to lose myself to the conversation too much. But it was definitely intense things, vicarious trauma, secondhand trauma. One of the families, the boy Imani, who was killed, was two years old. One of the families, the young man, teenager, 15 years old, who was killed, was killed in front of his brother, who no longer speaks. He won't talk. So I'm taking photos. I'm with him. And I would listen very empathetically, very caring. Oh, I got a hug for you. Oh, you. I'm, I'm in there. I'm feeling all right about my presence and how I'm showing up. I remember driving off one time with the person I was collaborating with. We made it to the red light and I just lost it. And that was a rare at that moment. It was rare. Now I cry whenever I feel like. It. But at that moment, it was really quite rare for me to cry. And now I'm in front of someone else. And I was like, this is too much. This is, you know, the babies and this. And I'm feeling it all. And I'm thinking, and there's this spiral, shame spiral in me. Like, how dare I? I didn't lose my child. How could I possibly be feeling this? You know, I got dropped off at home. I went up to my room and At the time I'm in school, I'm working, I have one child and I want, I'm in complete paralysis, an inability to actually like 
completely disconnected. If you come into the spot and you see me, this is what reminded me of this, Brittany. You'd be like, E-Rock, how you doing? I'd be like, oh, I'm good. Well, you could come back two hours later. No lie at this time. And in my brain, I was beating, I was shaming myself, I was crying, I was fit. all of these things were happening inside where you can almost, if there was a, an artist rendition, you can see my spiritual corpse on the floor in front of me that I just beat the fuck up out of, right? But my whole vibration inside was, what's wrong with you? You can't get over this. You out here, da 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 you da da How come you can't? What is the shame spiral? The spiral of like, yo, this is a you thing. And so I'm sitting in that. And I've learned, this is hindsight, 10 years later, looking back, I can remember kind of like one of the most important things I needed to do was cut the middleman because for two or three hours, I'm sitting there beating the shit out of myself. And then for the next six or seven hours, I'm trying to pick myself up from the beating I just gave myself, right? And I was like, yo, if I could just cut this middleman, how do I catch that? How do I catch it when it comes in, right? The police in your head, the inner hater, the words and language that belong to people that might have abused you or maybe even people you never met, right? Like, but the words that are now coming that you yourself. And so I remember that. There was a person at the time, rest in peace. I'm smiling because she was just so dope. Irvine Goldson, I'm going to say her name, Irvine Goldson. She was a mama with a lot of people in the community. She died too young. And uh, she was like, hey, what's up? How are you holding up? And I, I just felt like I could tell her. I felt like I could just tell her. And I was like, oh, I've you know, been around a lot of death lately and been crying a lot, but also I've just been disassociating. And I'm not sure how healthy the death, because I think sometimes disassociation is healthy if you make a choice, if you know what you're doing. If I'm like, yo, I had a long day. I'm about to disconnect to this stand-up comedy for two hours. Give me my popcorn. I'm chilling. That's a choice I've made. I'm aware of it. But in those moments, I was not making any choice. I was completely disconnecting. And she was like, how is your support network helping you do this? And I was look, I looked at her like, what are you even talking? What's the support network? <laughs> yeah. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have context clues, but I don't. What are you talking? What? And she was like, okay, baby. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to be one of them. Right. But I want you to go ahead and think of four, four of the people you can call and you can contact. And I contacted my friend and said, hey. And she was like, I've been waiting for this call. What's up? And another like, you know, and people who had because remember, when they asked me how I was doing, what did I say? Fine. Fine. I'm good. Fine train. <laughs> yeah. I'm, and, I'm, and I I'm have good. this is my demeanor. Much of it is genuine. I'm very grateful to be alive. Right. Like and when you're around death a lot, you recognize that this is a gift and a privilege. Right. We don't mourn people who are not here because life sucks. And one of the elders had taught me at that time that contentment was understanding. And, you know, this is one of the definitions I really love about it, that contentment was understanding that life is not easy, but that it can be fulfilling. And I was like, oh, with that understanding, I could be pouring tears and still be content. At that moment, I connected. I started asking people for help. People were uh, taking me on walks. I had a friend who could never really make it through. They had their own stuff, but they would be like, hey, E-Rock, you love to take photos. Will you take your smartphone, go for a walk and send me three photos you really enjoyed taking? Because me, <laughs> mind you. So I remember being like, what a sweet way to support me because it got me out the house and it brought me to nature and it brought me to, and I'm, you, and I'm yo, what you think about that? Oh, yo, E, that's fly. E. And now I'm in relationship. Another person was like, E-Rock, I'm coming to get you. Got me in the car and took me to the stopping shop. And we were going around. By the time I realized, oh, they're getting my groceries. So I have a genuine belief that people are good natured overall. And I think you can touch into that. And there's spaces and people where you can meet. There are a lot of people who are not this way. I get it. 
you know, but we're not going to talk about them right now. But you start to see who those folks are. And what I realized in that moment was they had my back, that they loved me, that they cared for the work I was doing. All of them came to the exhibit. All of them shared it with their friends. All of them were like, yo, I'm so proud of E-Rock for blah, blah, blah. They had my back. And they were a part of making this happen. So did I do this project alone? No. <laughs> right? Not only my collaborators, but the people in the community who were like, yo, E, it's okay if you turn into a puddle of tears, because guess what? That is really sad what you're talking about. That is absolutely sad. And, and sorrow doesn't just have to be something that happened to you. There are different ways in which sorrow hits us and it can be the world. <laughs> it can be, you know, so I think having that experience for me changed me up, Brittany. And then I would have friends. And what did I do? I would say the same thing that Irvine Goldson said to me. I'm like, so who's in your support network? And they'd be like, ah, maybe they'll pick their partner or maybe a friend. And they'd got one person. I'm like, okay, all right, we're going to add me onto this. And I need you to go get three or four more people. I'm going to contact, which it's not always easy for people. Not, not everybody has that. But even the practice of doing that, of building that and getting to that place, and it could be simple. It could be, hey, can I just check in with you twice this week? Or, hey, can I just know that you're there, that I can send you a text uh, if I'm feeling crappy? And of course, you know, of course, eat, right? It's simple things that we kind of take for granted. But yeah, that's part of it. I think part of it is really practicing it. I've had people be like, how do I get five? You know, so and that hurt my heart. And I was like, well, by working it, by calling it, by talking to the people, whom do you think those five would be? I had to learn the audacity of no. <laughs> I had to learn it. Like someone who was like, oh, if I can even have a, a moment to get it done, I'm going to try my best to get it done. I would overcommit. And in some ways I still battle that, but for the most part, I've learned the art of no. And I think that even, you know, people learning that they can say no without it being this horrendous kind of like harming thing. My no's were not respected when I was a child, right? Even by people yeah. I loved, they didn't, what the hell, what yeah. the hell was a no? <laughs> like, like, you mm -hmm. know? So I started to learn. I had to learn these things. Some of it was through somatic healing. Like I remember being like, we had to practice saying yes and no. And how does that feel? And yes was super easy for me. <laughs> uh, yes was like, you know, I guess is I'm getting the thing that you want. Hell yeah, I'm a service dom. Let me give you this thing that you want. A service dom. <laughs> a service poppy dom. Yeah, <laughs> love it. And I'm like thinking that, and then I started to say no, and I would feel this thing like I'm letting this person, and I was like, whoa, that's on me. So even when you talk, to, I actually super love practicing. I start with no now more. Some people don't know how to say yes, so they should start with yes sometimes. It's not everybody in the same boat. I struggle with no. And so I started starting with no. And sometimes I'm like, yo, I don't know why I said no. I'm actually down to get to, you know what I mean? But I'll start with a no. Oh, hey, I don't know. I did it. And then I'll get to a yes. But in the beginning, it used to be like, yeah, I'll make that happen. You know, and rather than start at the, you know, like, how do I make this possible? So I'll pause there. I teared up at a certain point during that conversation, just based off of the grief and losing someone. And that just resonated with me. It's, um, thank you. Like, thank you. What I hear you saying is like, these things take time to cultivate. You say like 10 years ago, this happened and you are still actively working on these things. Like the time integration that is required for us to step into these spaces, it's time and integration. And legitimately every single thing that we do as human beings requires time integration. Like we were born, we don't know how to do shit. <laughs> you learn how to ride a bike, you fall off, you get back on, you fall off, you get back on. And then the third time you're like, oh, I got this. The retire shoes. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I'm going to tie this shoe. Why not? I'm going to go with the bunny rabbit to the loop. I don't know which one. And you figure it out and you boom, locked it. That's it. 
and then you move forward. And then ah, being a human being, there's so many levels that we have to like contend with and just to not accept ourselves wholly, like all of it, the light, the dark, every last ounce of it, we're doing ourselves a massive disservice if we're not connecting with those things. And even hearing you connecting with your tears, like, <laughs> like, Feel it. like, um, like I just know people in my life that like have cut themselves off from their tears. Like literally, like, I can't remember the last time I cried. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like, what? Like, you don't remember the last time you cried? Like, I'm on the verge of tears now. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, uh, there are stress relieving hormones in your tears. You cry it out, you will feel better. That's what that shit is. You know what I'm saying? So I definitely was, a, I stopped for a few years. I stopped crying for like maybe six, seven years in my early 20s. And I didn't think I was above crying. I could feel it right here. I could feel it in my throat. And I remember being like, it's there, but I think I'm all cried out. I think I don't have any tears left. I think I've cried enough. And that was my vibe. So I would be around people like, oh, you know, I could feel it. I could feel the sadness, but it was being stuck in there. I'm sure it was doing terrible things to me. And then by the time I went to Japan, by the time I went to the Japan and I was meditating with the monks and such, since I was my tears, and I started being like, oh, and like trying to get comfortable with myself, I was like, oh, I'm a waterfall. Sometimes I'm afraid there'll be a vulnerability hangover, but almost never is there. Almost generally there's like, hey, I'm up. You know, like, <laughs> it's like there's a moment. It's like, who knew that the trick to dealing with sorrow was actually be sorrowful? You know, yeah. move, <laughs> to move, to move through the emotion, yeah. to move through our emotions I, rather than going around them. When you talk about integration, ooh, now we're talking, we're on the same sermon, we're on the same space. And I think about like sports analogy, but like any of your favorite athletes, they might have the swag or be like, yo, you wasn't in the gym with me. You know, like, what do they mean by that? They were integrating that skill set They were in the gym. They got their 10,000 hours. They were putting in that work. I've had revelation or downloads and moments Sooner or later, you got to be more than just potential, right? You actually have to be the thing that you're working towards. <laughs> but but <laughs> however, I think that works integration. I remember in 2015, I was in journey space with plant medicine. And I realized that while I was really good at loving on folks, and I was getting that feedback, you know, I was generous. I was not receiving the love. It wasn't that they weren't giving it. It was a hole in the bucket, right? It was just like my cup did not over. I didn't feel worthy of it. A survivor of child abuse. I didn't even know what it was like to be held. I hadn't heard a lot of I love you from people who love me. I didn't hear that. It wasn't the way. There was not a lot of touching in my home, hugs or anything like of that, no affection like that. So I remember just being like, even though those were things I desired and I wanted, I didn't feel like I was worthy of them. Just real talk. I didn't feel worthy of it. And so in 2015, that's seven years ago, I was like, oh, and I remember jotting it down in my journal, like, Iraq, how will you receive love? And then I started, because there would be this thing where people would come up to me, young people, someone I impacted, and they'd give me like beautiful affirmations, right? Like, I'm a lucky person. I'm a, yo, Iraq, I just want to say, when you sat with my mother after my brother was killed, blah, 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 you really were helpful for us. And, blah, blah. and I'd be sitting there like, cool, cool, thank you, thank you. But like really protecting myself from receiving what the person was saying or doing, not feeling, oh, don't let it go to your head or don't, some weird process. No thank yous were being received. No hug. No, I was just like, I wasn't receiving it. Now, obviously, if I get that download in 2015, now I got to think back to all my partners and all the people who were pouring love all over me. And I was like, I'm unlovable. I got to think about all the time that who love me were like, how do I get through to this dude? Like, and I was just like, no, I love you too. And just, just starting to realize it took me years, but I was absolutely, I'm in the practice now of receiving love better than I have ever been. And I love receiving love. 
right? I love giving love and I love receiving love, right? So I can be a pillow princess, right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) and I can can be a workhorse and I love both of them, but it didn't, I had to get to the point where I was like, really, because before I really couldn't be, I really couldn't be. I would literally be like, oh, is it my turn yet? I start thinking about how to please the other person and I'm not just chill. Yeah, you know, I I didn't (laughs) Mm -hmm. do that. I started to practice doing that. I started practicing consciously being like, oh, this person's like doing this work. Let me receive this. And it changed my entire, it was just, come on. So that took practice, integration. And beyond just, you know, sexually or in the bedroom, someone coming up and giving me love now, oh, I receive that. And I'll reflect, you know, instead of just being like, oh, matrix. (laughs) (laughs) Dodge, dodge, dodge. Bullets. Can we talk about that for a second about, because I think this happens a lot around sexually receiving and really being able to, you know, you have the people that are, oh, I'm a giver. I love to give. I love to give. And, and that is okay. Mm-hmm. And when I hear that based on the work that I do, I tend to be like, hmm, <laughs> what's in there? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's in there? What is it about? Is there something? And it might not always be the case, but is there something in the receiving? So can you, I love that you brought that up. Can you expand upon that a little? I just started to notice that like, even I fancy myself a generous lover. I've got good feedback. I care and I give and I'm a passionate person that shows up in my lovemaking. I really care about people that shows up in that. And so I think it was moments. And for me, intimacy is very much like safety is my favorite foreplay. I've shared that before. Safety is by far my favorite foreplay. If I'm safe, then you're going to get freak E-Rock. Like if I don't feel safe, I don't even know what we're doing here. I don't judge the folks because I know people who like a good thrill. <laughs> like, yo, <laughs> go get your thrill. Like no judgment. Tell me about it. I might even get turned on later, but it's not necessarily for me. But in those moments, I'll be building or bonding with someone. I have a close connection, my partner, et cetera. And um, I just started to realize like, oh, receiving is actually a process of letting myself zone into what am I? It's very sacred. It's very gorgeous and beautiful. And I'm deserving of this incredible sensation. I am not only deserving of it, someone is giving this to me right now. We're working in collaboration to create this like sacred space where we can be generous with each other. Sign me up. Sign me up. It really just made it better. I really do believe also that like, you know, I've heard a lot of people who are like, enjoy it now and when you get older. I'm like, yo, sex gets better as you get. What are you talking about? Like if you're in, I might not be the same dude who can pick you up like I was in my 20s. <laughs> but, you know, I was a show off in my 20s. <laughs> you came for the show. I'm going to give you the show, et cetera. We're done. It's over. And as I got older, I was, I would judge myself. I'll be like, oh, I'm not able to do the same thing, young 20 Iraq, but oh my God, false. You know, there's a lot of ways in which there's a psychological, a spiritual, emotional, sacred connection to sex that if you're doing that work, obviously if you're not, it's going to get worse. But if you're doing that and you're practicing that work, it only gets better. And it's gotten to that point where I started to realize like, this became possible because I opened the door to receiving. And I think that goes for other folks who might just be receivers who don't necessarily practice giving, you know? I think it does matter who the people or the person is, who the people might be. My my favorite play with other couples is when there are people who are super compassionate and caring and loving and, and can give and can receive and can be in the moment and don't feel entitled to anything. We're moving through a process. To, 
And then I've been with other couples that might be hotter, might be sexier, might be, but I'm like, oh, I don't really like how they're moving through this process. I'm not really, I'm not really feeling like I can receive. And I don't know how that would the way of my ability to give. And then I'll just be like, okay, information, data. I don't necessarily need this again. <laughs> you know, that doesn't mean you can't build on it, et cetera, et cetera. But I get called towards the spaces in which, and I've helped folks. I love this. I've been in positions where I see somebody who's a giver and I just be like, hey, do me a favor, chill, lay down. And I might be whispering in their ear, like, how does that feel? You know, does that, what do you want? What do you like? And I'm with them. And afterwards I've had people be like, yo, E-Rock, you were like coaching me to an, like an orgasm. And, and I was like, yeah. Yeah, it kind of turns me on to do that because I realized that there were times where I wasn't allowing that for myself. I didn't have, so I'm just sharing, just sharing. We're, we're just co-oping here. It's just a share process of like, are you actually, because you can see sometimes people's head spinning. What am I going to do next? What am I going to do? How am I, I going to be in the, I'm, I, we've all been there <laughs> or maybe, maybe not, but a lot of us have. And so it's like, oh, how am I, what's next? Oh, let me throw this. Oh, this is sexy. Oh, does this work? Ah, you know, how do how you want to be? <laughs> Performance. Yes, which I love. I will perform for them. So performance is great. It has place. And I'll catch that in someone and see something that remind me of me not being able to receive and having those moments where I might come hold their hand or I might breathe with them and just kind of ask them like, you know, what would you like? How are you, you know, and slow them down from the process of just being a generous giver, which by the way, shout out to generous givers, right? But like having a moment where they can be, well, here's the thing, right? I think they're so necessary. Like this idea that I was able to love people before I was able to receive love, false. I was loving on people. I wasn't not, I was full of love, but I was definitely handicapping myself from the place or the ability to love fully because I wasn't, I'm not, I'm halfway there. I can give it. I'm not receiving it. How do I fix that? And I think that was actually through sex was a really beautiful place to see myself, to see the integration happen. And then also in, in other spaces as well. I hope that answers that question. Oh, oh that, you answered that like, oh, yes. then some, like, no. Yes. Like, I'm, getting, for sure. I'm getting giggly shy. I'm getting giggly shy, but that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. I learned, I learned to embrace that too. Cause I used to be like, oh, I feel shy and then try to swag it out. And then I'd be like, no, I'm like, actually, that's a nice feeling. It's giddy. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, we're talking about things. Yeah. <laughs> I am feeling tickled right now. I am tickled as shit. Yes, I'm going to live in this space yeah. for a <laughs> Oh, no, I love that. I loved all of that. What I hear around a lot of that is intimacy. Per, there is a space for performance and consciously like they're in kink and in play and all of that. Absolutely. And I think that sometimes we default to that because we're in our heads and because we feel like we need to show up in a particular way. Yeah. And I think that sometimes doing that is, you know, a part of ourselves, our protector selves afraid of intimacy and just leaning on the performer and leaning on those or the giver, you know, or the receiver even, right? Because it can, it's, let's be real. It's also vulnerable to give because you don't know how it's going to be received. So, you know, shout out to my givers. Like it's vulnerable to receive in a different way because you're just, you know, letting yourself open, but it's also very vulnerable to give because who knows if that, and then there's fear of rejection, which is then leads to for, you know, especially for those who, you know, have trauma or survivors, potentially, you know, fear of abandonment, which, you know, every, like our fears when it comes to safety, it really goes down if we dig to like death, right? Like it's this, like, it can feel like that. Right. And so, yeah, there's, there's so much that happens 
when we go to experience intimacy and sex with each other. And I say that too. I say the number one ingredient for amazing sex is safety, is feeling safe and resourcing not just safety within the collaboration of that sexual collaboration, but safety within ourselves, which I've been working on for the last like two years. I'm really proud of myself because I have come a long way. Yes, you have. I will offer you that acknowledgement. Yes, yes, you have. (laughs) Oh gosh. We could talk to you for another like 17 hours. Yo. <laughs> oh my God. My heart feels so full, Iraq. Soul food. Yes. Well, I forgot to mention this before we got started, but I know you'll be down. Uh, we're going to do a little quick fire questions. Let's go. Are you down? <laughs> Some will be sexy. I know. I'm not down. Go ahead. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> no. So yeah. So if there's something that you don't want to answer, tell us and, you know, maybe we'll we'll edit it out or, or whatever we need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Something that makes you belly laugh. Ooh, yo, I love laughing. I love laughing. Good memes, funny stories. I love funny stories. And I love hearing people tell funny stories and, and getting lost. And then also other people's laugh might get me laughing, like, you know, contagious. I love laughter. I love, and then the, the gamut of humor, it can go all the way to like, if we're really close, it might be the darkest joke you ever heard in your life. You might be like, what did E-Rock just say? <laughs> and you're going to laugh because I'm not going to my audience. And then, and then it can also it can be a dad joke, right? It can be a straight up, you know, so it, it runs the gamut from something that's okay for kindergartners to something that's definitely like, yo, is that even, are you burning in hell? You know? So. <laughs> I love that. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Next question. When do you feel most vulnerable? Definitely like being naked is a vulnerable space. I'm a big boy. I'm six feet, 270. So like even getting into my body and I'm a weight fluctuator, used to run marathons and be super athletic. So I'm in my big body right now and just learning to love this big body of mine and and care for it. I've been vulnerable there, but really kind of like, I don't know, feeling myself. There's this thing in the back of my head that will be like, yo, why are you tripping? You know, sometimes your brain doesn't match your heart and your spirit, right? And you get into this war. Oh, absolutely. So my vulnerability sometimes is that. And then on the other side of that, so I get vulnerable there. Conversations like this can lead to that vulnerability, asking questions. And then when I feel safe, but also as a facilitator, as a curandero, et cetera, there's times where I have to tap into the vulnerability in order to invite other people into it. So there's times where it is a genuine excavation for the sake of permission or invitation for others to join me in that. So sometimes I'll be the first in the space to, to tap into that form of like sharing vulnerability and then others will follow. I, I'm okay with that too. That takes work and it appears easy to people, but no. It's never easy. Secret thing for me about uncomfortable is that uncomfortable doesn't tend to get more comfortable. And so you can just go with it. So it's just like, that's the scene. It's like, oh, this is the feeling. Okay, let's vibe. You know, let's go. This is actually discomfort because it's an uncomfortable thing. Let me just work with that rather than how do I make this feel comfortable? You know, I'll just be like, oh, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> Let me share. Let's get used to it and move through it. <laughs> Drop in wisdom bombs. Huh. Quick fire. <laughs> definitely during sex, during intimacy with loved ones. We might have a bomb ass conversation about something from earlier that day during or in between or while we're cutting fruits up or getting water or what. But like it might get me real open to be like, hey, earlier when you said this thing, I really felt, you know, a certain way about this. And next thing you know, we're making love through it, you know, so that can get me very vulnerable. It feels like some Marvin Gaye sexual healing you know beautiful build that response most wild place you've had sex hey i be having sex places 
I've heard people talk about like how like they just like I just prefer a bed. You guys are wilding, and I'd be like, so definitely. <laughs> I were to pick the first one that came to mind is the cemetery. Oh, oh. I won't say where because I still be frequenting said cemetery. Put the freaking frequenting. <laughs> I enjoy the thrill of that stuff. I like it on a hike, you know, in nature. And also, you know, sometimes also a bed. (laughs) (laughs) There's that old thing. The bed. I enjoy a good private dance floor, like, you know, set up a dance party. And then all of a sudden, you know, what? Where's our clothes? You know, and... You ought to be throwing down, yo. You ought to be throwing down. The overshare. <laughs> yeah. It's welcome. This is the place for it. I remember one time back in the day in my 20s, because I got a little bit of exhibitionist in me that I didn't know until recently. Like, I like showing off. And this was definitely, this is like, oh, obviously you rock. So like in my twenties, I was in a relationship with someone super love, partner I love. And we were on the third floor and we hit the balcony in daytime. And there was definitely people like through the screens, like you can see <laughs> folks being like, oh my God, right? And I don't, know that, I don't know that I could do this all the time, but in that moment, I was like, yeah, you know, like, <laughs> yes, yes, everyone, like some old coming to America, like, yes, fuck you too, right? Like, <laughs> let them wait. <laughs> I was talking to myself. I'm, I'm fucking on the balcony. Like, it's up there. And then another time, more like special sacred, was a walk by a lake, and it was midnight, and it was a full moon, and we found a bench sat in front of on me while I we looked up at the moon. It was beautiful. So shout out to like sex in public places and also be safe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. <You're> <laughs> I got a laugh for a second. <laughs> hold, on, hold on. Where's the wildest place? Have I missed that? Where's the wildest place y'all have had? The two of you together. We just didn't Wait, we, we answered that this? recently. Like, yeah, I'll do for it. You, you Mine's on the Delaware River in a tube. <laughs> yeah. We fucked on the river. I was like 21, 22. It was great. I'm not a big like outside yeah. sex person. I don't think I've ever fucked outside. Like, I, ever. You were inspiring me, Iraq, to yeah. get on Sorry. that <laughs> shit. <laughs> For me, a car in like my dark room or like the wildest it's, it has ever gotten. Outside of that, just anything within an environment and utilizing whatever is around me is like, yeah, I'll make this work. <laughs> Let's figure, uh-huh, that's the spot right there. I have a, I mean, it's like at a sex club, like sex, like a sex swing with like 40 people watching. So that's something. Are you, yeah, this is new. <laughs> this is new. This, this, this is new. This is a new one for me. You didn't tell me this one. This oh, one. yeah. No, this is a brand new one. This is a brand this new one. to me, like, like, is it wild? How funny is that? <laughs> <laughs> This is like more wild than this is more wild than like freaking like two. you ain't tell me about the sex swing in public, yo. Yeah, well, I mean, it was, it was like you know, like the stuff at the sex club, but you know, like there was that, that orgy at the sex club. Yeah. We definitely would do that. Landing in our choices, yes, yes. That was the, yeah, it's yeah. So funny because I so I enjoy like people watching in a space that is conducive to that. I'm down for public sex in a space that that is what it's for. Yeah. I'm not down for public sex in the space where somebody could run up like, cause it's for me, it's safety and sex club. There's sometimes is <laughs> there's that, but oh, like if a- I'm with someone I feel safe with that, I actually do really get off on like people watching and like, can I touch you? No. 
<laughs> but you can watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shout out to you. Shout out to you. Yeah, no, I think that's where I lean more now. I don't know if I've had my secondhand sex club stories from people that dated and such. I don't know that that's for my anxiety like that, but definitely spaces that I've created or being with people and then finding my exhibitionism in that way, I think is way better than like said 20s on the porch. But that's still a cool memory for me. Like oh, I re- yeah. there's a little bit of not giving a fuck that is really, really, really thrilling. And in that moment, somehow I found it. Right. I think it's kind of like, oh, that was a Mount Everest of public sex. You know, that was my, that <laughs> I, was my that. I don't need to climb that mountain again. I can reminisce. I'm going to do my main question. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? That's a tough one. I've definitely, it's funny because I've been asked it before and I always try to give a different answer. I like the invisible shit, but I like this like traveling through multiverses thing that Dr. Strange and others have. I like that skill set. I think I would prefer that over time travel. And I've also, as I just think out loud, do y'all remember that back in the day sitcom where homegirl used to pause time? Yes. Oh God. Small wonder. This no, is, not uh, small no, wonder. That's the robot. Oh, oh it was a small wonder. But I a small wonder. I thought, of, but there was another song for this no. one. Oh, uh, what's it called? Oh my god, it's gonna drive me crazy. It's yeah, um, the, the theme song was "Would You Like to Swing on Yeah, I forget what it's called. But her father was like an alien, right? Yeah, her father was an alien. Oh my god, we're gonna have to Google it. Yeah, we have to look it up. These sitcoms, and um, I used to want to do what she did. I used to want to be like, sure, pause something. If I know I'm about to get a beating or something, be like, pause. <laughs> <laughs> Take the belt out your hand, put a put a feather in that shit. Like, ah, you know, but like what the hell? as a child, was like she's got it made. Like, I think about like anxiety yes. moments, and you could just be like, pause yes. and get the fuck out of there. Right? So, yes. yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm so happy you brought back that theme song. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I got a sample with verses. Right? That'd be, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'd be a good sound. really brought Small oh. Wonder back, too. Small, yeah. small wow, Wonder, Jesus, Small Wonder. The 80s, 80s had absurd sitcoms. They did not lack imagination. They did not lack no. a, They had Elf. No, Elf? Elf? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I just said Elf at the same time. Yo, it was a classic. I used to watch that shit religiously. Like, Doogie Hauser. I remember what Doogie! Oh man. <laughs> Doogie <laughs> Okay, okay. We're getting off the, <laughs> the rail. Coming back to the questions. Coming back all to the right. questions. <laughs> okay. my man. Definitely trying to microwave the cat. That's all I'm saying. He's definitely trying. <laughs> Stage right, eat that cat. Oh, where are my '80s babies at right now? You're loving this. They're like, don't stop, please. Oh, I, guess so we, good. I guess we okay. did just time travel. I guess we did. No, we, did. we did. We did. We, we did. did. Okay, one more. So, if you could have a threesome with any non-human being, right? So, magical, cartoon, earthly creature, like you know, like it can't be a human. I want to make you work on this one. <laughs> Threesome. <laughs> Take your time. What would they be? Okay. Homegirl from Avatar. <laughs> Yo. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Yes. I'm just like, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just felt the like, woo. <laughs> <laughs> my, pon- my ponytail uh, tentacle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, this is a okay. perfect segue from talking about Alf. So, which aliens would you fuck? <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, okay. oh, girl from and I don't know. I think if I can be of service to a deity, you know what I mean? Like, just like straight up, like, I don't want nobody hitting me up pissed off, but, you know, names is out there. But just like the woman, like, goddess of fertility and creation and shit, like, put me to work. You know what I mean? Like, just, just put me to work. And then me and homegirl from Avatar will get blessed. <laughs> yeah. That's perfect. Yes. I knew it was going to be so. I felt it in my body that you're going to say oh, something like that. I knew it. Yes. Oh, old girl from Avatar. Old girl from Avatar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Teach me the ways of the forest. Teach me no. the ways of the forest, please. Tell me what to do. So good. This is. This has been so wonderful. Mm. My soul needed this so much today. So good. Thank you so much, Iraq, for for just your levity and your depth and your wisdom and your your courage and and your vulnerability. I know that people are going to get so much out of this. I have some people in mind that Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, you need to listen. Listen to this episode. It's fantastic. This guy is gold. (laughs) And so do you have anything going on? I'm going to send it to my old partner that I had sex on the porch with and be like, hey, I gave you a shout out. (laughs) <laughs> be like, yes. Hey, how you been? <laughs> Do you have anything going on that you want people to know about? Any workshops or offerings or or like and we'll we'll talk about we'll give all the you know how to find you on Instagram for the most amazing memes. I will talk about I can I'll put stuff up there. So if people find me on the gram, Erock Soul Bear, and you can put that up. Yeah, we keep it to that. Wonderful. Okay. It's been so great. You're amazing. Thank you. Absolute pleasure, man. I don't know what y'all. This is great. This is great. This was a, a nice platonic three-way, y'all. <laughs> Yo, it, it, yeah. these, what these conversations are. And yes, yes. Yes and yes. <laughs> oh my God, I love him. E-Rock is the shit. <laughs> I told you. I knew it. <laughs> I knew. I knew that like we didn't have to, and I'm a person who likes like a plan. Yeah. I like to, you know, have like know what we're talking about. And, and just in general in life, I like to have a plan. I knew that we did not have to, to do that with him. I knew it. I felt it, that we would just drop into something that was so special and so precious and so deep and so true. Mm. And I mean, I just want to like cry just thinking about it. I have multiple teary moments. I, I was know. like, oh, oh, give me, give me a second. Like, <laughs> like the was... voice, the voice change happened to me for sure. Mm-hmm. But I just felt, I feel so satiated. Mm-hmm. by the conversation. I typically feel satiated by all the conversations we've had, yeah. but some are just like, wow. Yeah. Well, there's a connection sometimes. You know, you're, you have different connections with different people. Yeah, yeah. And we definitely had a connection. Yeah, I was just like cutting it up and talking yeah. about like, you know. Old friend. Old family friend, you know, just, yeah. yeah. That was beautiful. Off recording, he said, it was a platonic threesome. Yeah. And I was like, yes. Hell yeah, it was. Like, this is what these conversations yeah. are. But yes, like that, that threesome. It really resonated. Uh-huh. A platonic threesome. Yeah. Get it. <laughs> yeah. But I, I feel like this kind of episode where you can listen to it more than once. Oh, yeah. And, and like, I would encourage people to do that. I I'll, can really I'll, share this one. I'll probably listen to this one. Yeah. Again, for sure. Yeah. Like, there were so many powerful moments mm-hmm. that if you just like weren't paying attention for a moment, missed like the depth of so much of what we talked about and especially what Iraq shared. Yeah. And sometimes we just don't always receive everything. You know, it's like working with a teacher for years and you're like, 
why have you never said that before? They're like, I've said that many times. You just haven't heard it. And it's like when we're driving someplace and we see this, like we see something that catches our eye and we've been that, that place like a hundred times. And we're like, is that new mm-hmm. or am I just seeing it? Yeah. And I feel like this talk had a lot of that. I just think it was really beautiful and my heart is fed and I couldn't be more content. So fed. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. Follow Iraq at Iraq Soul Bear on both Twitter and Instagram. That's E-R-O-C Soul Bear, B-E-A-R. And check out his website at Sono Fatabi. That's S-O-N-O-F-A-T-A-B-E-Y dot com. Follow me at Sexually Liberated sexually underscore liberated on Instagram and check out my website at brittanypolacastro.com Follow me at Nick Anthony Photo on Instagram Check out my website at nickantony.com Editing by Audionauts Music by Greta Hopmer And please, please, please like, subscribe, follow this podcast Please leave us a review and five stars if you're feeling generous It really does help And we really love to hear what you think and share this podcast with someone who you think could benefit from it. Help us spread this kitchen table love, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Until then. I mean, until next time.